Hello and welcome to another Writer's Bookshelf brought to you by the Gingerlicious Company and the one and only me, Mr. David Driver. Again, fantastic music from the brilliant Mr. John Spence. And believe it or not, you know the title of that piece of music. And I'm only saying this to make my guest chuckle at the other side of the studio. The title of that track has been named by myself and it's called Lost for Words, which aptly applies to me. I've got a I've got my beautiful guest giggling. Some people may remember this fine young lady from my radio days, but she is making her debut on the podcast. She's a singer songwriter and she can play a plethora of instruments. She sometimes dabbles in a little bit of poetry and she's currently working on a novel which we will be speaking about. So without further ado, how are you doing, Andrea Hardacre? I'm good, thank you. It's I, great uh, to be back. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant because we did actually, I know you've had a lot of things going on, you know, outside of all the creativity and I spoke to you via social media and then over the weekend having a good laugh and a joke about various things and I think what attracted you in was the Wicked Female Killers. Oh, it did. Which, Definitely you know, did. It's not about my sources, it's about you this evening, but you did like it and you gave me some positive or gave some brilliant sort of feedback. And then a bolt out of the blue, are you available to come in and um, record for the, for the podcast? Slightly different format because we haven't got the music. It's just all about you, Andrea, and maybe... You might be a wicked female killer. Oh, I'd love to be a <laughs> wicked female killer. <laughs> it, it, on the podcast or actually in real life, is well, that both? <laughs> a little, a little bit of, uh, a, a little bit of, of both. Let's just let's just remind because I know there's many people that will know you, um, and obviously have seen you performing on different different sort of creative outlets, but as I've said, the podcast goes out obviously on the radio, possibly more in the UK. We've got, seem to have a few listeners or more than a few listeners. Good afternoon, good evening, or even hello, wherever you are downloaded and listening, USA. We've got people in Maryland, Virginia, and I don't know how it's come about, but we have got into double figures now. We are going crazy in Oregon. Wow. So, how are you doing, Oregon? Let me introduce you to the brilliant Andrea Hardick. (laughs) Yes. Brazil. Italy, <laughs> France, we're there, we've made the big time now. Um, just remind us, you started life as a journalist, because we're mainly right. going to talk about, obviously, writing, weaving our words of magic. Just give us a, a quick sort of tour. Obviously, journalism is quite different to songwriting and poetry. Yes, very different. Obviously, you're not currently, you haven't retired, but you've retired from journalism. Yeah. Did you enjoy the journalism? I did and I didn't. I used to love writing stories and that was the reason I went into journalism. Um, and I very much enjoyed working on local papers because it was really good fun. And and you, were, you started off working started in Scotland. Up, yeah, way up in the north of Scotland. Yes. On a very so small off the map. paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a very small town. And it was great fun. I mean, I was getting up in the morning and going to chase... The Beast of the Bin, this like legendary black cat that was apparently mauling wow. sheep to death. Um, you know, and there was are we, me. Are we sort of in the in the 
90s now, would you say? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. Early 90s yeah, types. Early of 90s. You're giving era. away my age. What are you doing? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. A bit naughty, that really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I had a lot of freedom on that paper, so it was good fun. Um, I remember getting into a wrestling ring with American wrestlers, Never. them throwing me all over the place, you know, all for the sake of a story. Wow. It was wow. good fun. Um, and then from there, I moved on to national papers and women's magazines like Women's Own and you know, freelancing. A, diff a different um, sort of style of writing. Yeah, with it. Very Is it fair to say then that type of journalism, I love it, obviously in... I know you talk about Scotland, it could have been somewhere in Yorkshire. Real stories of the moment about wrestling, and you talk about the beast, you know, it's just a wild cat. Yeah. I know, obviously, it's not, you, you write, obviously, fiction now, but that is factual, but I think it's a good, a real local story. And I don't think you always get that now. As no, in, you don't. For me, journalism is, you know, obviously, if you, if you are the junior or you know, you're starting out, get out there. Get that story, and it, and it's honest. It's Mrs. Bloggs. It's Mr. Brown. Yeah. It's it's a real light-hearted story, or possibly something. Yeah, a bit more even, serious. Yeah, and and I think because I started off on on a local paper, um, it was very much we had to find our stories every week. You know, there was it wasn't fed to you. So where where would you find them? Are you just got near to the ground? Are you, you in just, the bakery, yeah, the just, chip shop, the pub? I'm building the, a picture now. The wonderful now, thing, the wonderful thing about working and living in a very small town was that it was good and it was bad on a friday night you went to the pub and people just came up to you and said oh you work on the local paper have i told you about this and of course depending on how many drinks you had sometimes you'd I remember guess. on a monday morning <laughs> what they told you and we spoke to a lot of people we were you do the police um run you go out and the police would give you the news um you would phone round places um you did court and council and things like that. So you got, there was a lot of sources of information, but I think nowadays, and definitely the last time I worked in journalism, mm. it was just getting to the stage where people would send stuff in and you were just rewriting it. And it lost its sparkle for me. I and like I, people. I like chatting Yeah, to and, and if like we're talking now, I would have to say it would have been a face-to-face Interview, yeah, and are you sort of jotting notes down? A yeah, bit shorthand. Couldn't say because and then people like mobiles now and record. Yeah. It's not about that. You, no. you actually have to listen. Yeah, you're seriously listening to what that person's saying. That's right. And the shorthand. Do you think and that you've made... got the shorthand going, and then you go for one story, and and if you were, if you listened long enough, and you really asked the right questions, you'd come back with two or three stories from one interview, and that was brilliant. Because they would start talking about something else, and you'd be yeah, like, no, "Wait a minute, that's interesting." Wait a minute. So, so a little bit of a tangent off, the yeah. Moment, and then you, and a little bit of a, you're talking about Fred, and you know, speeding up and down the road, and then Billy comes along, and he's, yeah, you know, he's got some illegal gambling den in his cellar, and yeah. just little snippets. So that's. Do, do you think that's? Why do you think that? He said, "Do you think?" I probably asked you this before, but do you think it's more? sensational now do you think the small man or the small person that you probably have or have written about has, has sort of gone it's all about maybe hollywood pop star yeah what the government do it's a sensational headline politics yeah. banks supermarkets and scandal. It all, a lot of fear around journalism now it's like do you think do you think you know they're just peddling fear all the time do, so do you think that they are sort of I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they get trained but do you think it's that sort of 
mindset to get the story, to put the fear in people. I don't know if it's done purposely, but I think... But it sells stories. It does it sell stories. I mean, we did used to... Because um, I went on to work for Nationals Freelance and back in the... D- d- Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. There would be pages and pages if there was a big court case. You get pages mm. and pages of it. Obviously now news is a lot faster in its turnaround. And you think that's down to this sort of internet though, yeah, would you say? It is very on, much on your mobile. So. Yeah. You're not going down to you're not going down to to, to um to Billy's corner shop, are you to keep no. your local, you know, newspaper. But, it's, but, it's on your phone. You yeah. can click a few and it's and it's there. But I think what's been lost is I don't know if you remember like back in the nineties, you always had Oh no. Really good funny stories in the paper. Yes. You know <clears throat> it wasn't just all serious. And those mm. light hearted stories were I mean, they were so much fun to do. Very sort of endearing. And and I think that's what people wanted yeah. as in yes, you know. Because you could cope it, with the bad news yes. then because there was something there to really make you laugh. It evens it out. Yeah. So if you go if you do it in reverse you always had, you know, sport on the back, like or hate football or any sort of sport. As your team won, lost FA Cup recently on, bit of everything, yeah, bit of a crossword, yeah, recipe, weather, and all right, yes, the big headline, as you said, local to where you are. But now, if you look but at the news, you're just light-hearted. Well, oh, not yeah, yeah. Just and especially I think since lockdown, I think lockdown, I noticed very much that it was all um, negative. Everything mm. that was coming out was so. Negative. There was no escape from it, and you know, the world is what what you choose to look at, isn't it? Really, there's bad stuff and it's, there's good stuff. I think stuff. it's of it's of the um, it's sort of of the time, isn't yeah. it? And I think it's just it's just the way. <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's just the way journalism seems to be going. Yeah. And and uh, you know, you, you could probably argue the case that if you were still in journalism and you were writing as you did, you, you probably won't make. A decent living because no one would want yeah your style which is it is unfortunate yeah um but then you know where where do people get the actual voice i mean you know maybe local radio stations or podcasts like this and people having a voice yeah it's um i think the public or you know maybe open mic sessions or just, just people getting out and and, and meeting. Do you think it might come back? Do, do you think, obviously, you know, we, we're into 2024 20, now. Mm-hmm. When we get to March, we're not a million miles off. It'll be four years, won't it? March 2020, when the dreaded happened. Yeah. So we're nearly, you know, only a couple of months away. Yeah. And uh, do you think we have moved on? Oh. Oh, hesitant, <laughs> Andrea. I don't know. I, I don't... F- you see, I think it's a yes and no answer. It is a yes in, and no answer. As in some people... Something feels it, different, doesn't it? I think, since then. Yeah, but what... Do, do you think it's just we can't... I'm not suggesting that we forget, but do you mm. think people are still a little bit nervous? Maybe. Or do you think people look at governments in a different way? I, I do think there's a lot more mistrust. I tell you what I've really noticed, a lot more division in society. Give us um, examples. Well, if you look on Twitter, like there, there's there are so many different groups of people taking mm. different sides on everything. So it's almost like we're we're being splintered, you know, into very small groups. It's very strong opinions, really. Mm. As in, we're talking. You've mentioned about interviewing people and talking to people face to face. Good old fashioned debate. Yeah. Where if you left, right, met wherever. I remember, you remember on TVs or in person, people could have a really good, healthy debate, but still respect. Yeah. But not now. I agree to a certain extent, yeah. as in, well, no, we believe this, we believe that. And very, 
very sort of um, savage online. Yes, aggressive, isn't it? Very aggressive. Very aggressive and savage online, yeah. you know, and and, and so, like a wolf pack saying, this yeah. person said this. And so this we don't like them that. anymore. And, and, and you, you, get a, you, you have an attack. Yeah. And that sort of progresses into um, writing. I mean, it could be poetry. You might pen a poem or perform a poem about something. You might say something um about about something you know, in a book or a song we've been laughing i know before we started recording we're listening to the sort of cock winkles and i made a, a little bit of a joke saying you know some of it is sort of close to the bone and you know there's no yeah. sort of holding back with me but to me that's comedy yeah and a little bit of laughing and joking and but someone might take they might, offen- they might... offense to that it's, it's just but you pure have... madness and just surely silly. you have to have humor in life and mm. you have to be able to laugh at yourself I don't. I think you do. If you can't laugh at yourself, you can't yeah. laugh at anyone else, can you? No. So it's a little bit. Uh, it's. I think the world is changing, but then we can just keep going. Yeah. So out of journalism. Yeah. Let's let's stick with the with the so, sort of what you're yeah. out of journalism. I know you've been working for various various or, yeah organisations. Um, I went and I was on the board of the Literature Festival in Ilkley for about yes. seven years, and I had my own blog there. Um, and I used to run workshops and review writing and make a newspaper in a day. Um, did you like the sort of blog and review writing? I did, actually. Um, it very very similar to working for the newspaper It was, the but it was a beast that always needed fed. So the minute you started Constantly. it... Yeah, it, it's the thing yes. about social media, isn't it? You can't take a break. Mm, and you can with a newspaper. So yeah. did you find the like, newspaper article, story, done? Mm. I hate saying this. It's a twenty-four-seven Americanism. I hate sort of saying that, but it is. Yeah. The twenty. You've got to keep uploading it all the time. That's right, and you have to keep it fresh. Yes. And um, and so then I went from that to working for an arts organisation, developing their website and doing all their Twitter and all of that. I did that for about eight eight or nine years, I think. Um, so where does the music come in? Let's, let's right, bring so the, the music, music in because okay. I get the writing. You've yeah. Obviously, you've done the journalism and we'll move on to the poetry short stories and that fits in. Yeah. Where have you always been... This is one of my late mum saying, have you always been musical? Yes. From an, Even at school, you've yeah. been recorder so, and triangle and progress. <laughs> <laughs> so I got into music because my sister was the champion Scottish gymnast. Um, it's the older your sister. My older sister. A really, oh. really good gymnast. And, I, you know, I don't know what happened to me in that sense. She was a really fast runner. They wanted her to train for the Olympics. She was really fast. Um, and my nephew, her son, now plays for Celtic's youth team. Yes, I've yeah. seen the... Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I've seen the, yeah so, I've very seen the sporty. Media, yes. Um, and then and I come not, along and, and like you throw a ball at me and I'm like, you know, shutting my oh, eyes in case it hits no. me in the face. So uh, granddad felt sorry for me. He thought, you know, I was a bit in my sister's shadow and he bought a piano. Um, and nobody had any idea if I would take to it or not. And I just... So is anyone else, was any, is anyone else yeah. musical in the family? Yeah. So it's, so, it's, it's, it's a sporty and musical family um, in general. Mainly, my dad is was an artist, so he was very yes. artistic. Um, but on my dad's side of the family, they're all quite musical. So that yes, that musical, so, that musicality, yeah, is, is so that lingering. Was the but in also, the family. you've got to remember my grandmother on my mum's side. Yes, she was one of fourteen, and there was ten sisters, 
Goodness they would me. get up and dance on the table. They played the spoons, they played the mouth organ, you know, they and that's, sang. And that's all the time. Yeah, and I grew up yes. with them. It was like having, well, there was five went to America and five stayed in so the I family. So I get that. So it's in, it's in the sort of upbringing, yeah. grandparents, parents, cousins, yeah. nep- nieces, nephews. Yeah, so I get that. So it's been within. So it's, yeah. Yes. And there was all, there's always a struggle in me whether I focus on music or writing music or writing and i can never make up We've my just mind been talking off air yeah. about that little bit aren't we? so so you, piano you took to the piano took to the piano and then i think i might have mentioned this on a podcast before but i will mention it again i had an awful awful experience at school with the head of music when i was sitting my higher which is like a level music yes um and he was a bully and he got me to a point where i was shaking you know whenever i tried to play a piano. i think you have mentioned that before so you've got all this wonderful so piano life yeah loved my music and then yeah you know stupidly let him um steal my confidence so swine when i left school um i played every instrument but the piano for years i taught myself how to play fiddle um kind of winging it really um, then I got a ukulele, then I got some drums, and then I got a banjo, and then and I just the kept time, going. All the time, there's there been this sort of fear. Yes. If that's probably, I don't know if that's the right thing to say of the piano, because yeah. when you look or when you think about the piano, you're reverting back to back to that the that school time. days, and my fingers would literally shake. And then eventually, I was in the stolen bows with Kathy, and she says to me, "Why, why won't you play the piano?" And I said, "I can't do it. My fingers will just shake, and I can't mm-hmm. do it." And she was like, "Just try." So I did it, and the first time I did shake and stopped playing in the middle. You know, this was live a performance, and then um, gradually I just exposed myself to it more and more and more, and it got to a point then where it didn't really bother me. It was fine, you know. And now I don't really think about it. So it's good, good, yeah. good stuff. So just sticking with the stolen balls, yourself and Kathy Crabtree. I've That's right. Obviously, seen you perform yeah. many on many occasions. Brilliant stuff. What would you say? Is is the sort of main genre of stolen balls? Well, if you, um, you know, it's not rock music. No, I don't mean that in the band. It's not, and it's not rap music. So it's more no. like thinking, what are stolen balls about? A little bit of folk in there, a little yeah, bit of Celtic a bit of folk and, and Americana type Americana things. Type, yeah, yeah. Um, Kathy especially tends to write very um, country songs. Yeah, more of the. Um, sort of acoustics you know yeah why why i would call you know acoustic guitar that's it songs if you like you know predominantly and then that nice sort of we had traveling site sort of yeah california you know traveling across that's it like you say yeah. america you know that sort of not not 100 country music though is it, it no it's I, not 100 percent. It's, it's and i think it's just got another element what yeah would you call that? i don't know what it is really you know if you like maybe classics i, I mean i'm a bit cliche, as you know, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, that sort of real yeah. country vibe. It's more... It's more... F- it, there's a it, bit of folk in there, it's isn't there? The American folk and a, a little bit... I know, you know, telling a story, but, yeah. but I, I do like it. But you, like you say, you're playing different instruments in there. And, yeah. Um, and ex- you enjoyed that that sort of... Yeah, we had, you know, we had great fun and we, we were over at Filey Folk Festival. Uh, yeah, I remember you... you yeah. uh, you were, and did, did you perform? Because I always liked the. Uh, you did a few 
cover version. Yeah, we did. Of, yeah. a, of a Prince track, that's wasn't right. it? Yeah. Uh, when yeah. Doves Cry, wasn't that's it? it? Yeah. yeah. That, that's good. What, so obviously, probably a daft question, a, a Prince fan? Or just, no, you just like the song? No, it was the song and um, I heard it and at the same time I was learning how to drum on my ukulele and strum it at the same time. Yes. And I was exp- and I was thinking I need a song that just has two chords in it to do this because I can't quite cope. My brain couldn't quite cope with drumming with my feet, drumming with my thumb, and strumming with the ukulele. Uh, yes. So I thought if I keep it simple, and then I was listening to the song, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to folkify Prince, <laughs> and it just worked. And it just worked. I, I can remember. I've still got that the track. Obviously, I can't play it on the yeah. Uh, on on the uh, on, on the podcast, but people people have so many times said to yes. me, "Oh, the stolen bows we heard you on dry stone, you know." Yes, you. he said, and they remember it, and I it's like really Mickey Lost, you oh, know, it makes me going. feel amazing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you remember it? <laughs> it was just it was just so nice because I remember when you you know sort of sent me that stuff. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say when you meet someone for the first time, they're writing their own stuff or performing it, and and whatever the you know they are sort of doing. And then to have, a, 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 a obviously, a worldwide hit, if you like, you know, it's not, no disrespect to any sort of local bands or just yeah, starting yeah. out, but when, when you make it your own and you're yeah. used to it, listening to it in a, in a, in a certain way, and then it, it is sort of acoustic and folky. Yeah. And it's got that different sort of, obviously the words remain the same, but that thing, the, the different beat. And yeah. it sounded so well. And it oh, my, everybody likes, yeah. you know, it was a good, uh, it was <laughs> a good, 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 and I like it. I think a lot of artists do that mm. as well, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. Um, sort of, a lot of bands now strip back and play the acoustic set. Yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a nice thing to do, actually, with somebody else's song, just to make it your own somehow. And, and just and, and just twist it around. Yeah. But you've been off, you know, like you said, you haven't been off, off, but you've, you've sort of, you and Kathy now, at this present moment, are doing separate sort of things. Yeah. Brilliant stuff indeed, and you are making a welcome return at the. Um, <laughs> I, I believe in March. Was it May? I can't remember now. My, my yeah. brain's a bit addled now because we've been laughing and giggling. Um, you're making a welcome return with a new setup. There's a That's new right. band. Maybe tell us about it. You're not the founding member of of this. No, new no. Band, eh? they, tell us you're with them. So now. yeah. Um. So I'm kind of guesting with them. Um. I like that. I think because. My life was getting too hectic, so I said, like, I'm going to take a break from music. So I took a break from the Bows, and then they asked me to play with them. And because they already have their own songwriter, Charlotte Hatch, who writes amazing songs. Give my plug, um, And it's it's called The Lost Embers, so you can Brilliant. look them up on Spotify. Um, and Beck, she harmonises. And so... Sometimes when they were performing in the pub, I would just play the fiddle along with them and just wing it. And eventually they said, would you come and, you know, just put a few extras into what we're doing. Adds, just adds that little bit. Yeah. And is that, is it a similar, obviously I haven't heard you perform live, excuse me, at the moment. Is it similar to Stolen Balls? Is it the same? Is it, not the same, I apologise for saying that. It's, it's, um... Has it got that Celtic folky element, or is it a different style of music? I think it's How slightly different style. It? Um, it's folky, definitely folky. It's more folk and, yeah, music. Um, just really beautiful songs. I think Charlotte's mm. an amazing songwriter, and just uh, lovely harmonies again, um, but just slightly different, and very much 
of a storytelling nature, you know. And I think that works. I'm going to say that. I yeah. think when people hear, <clears throat> when people hear hear uh, like a cover version, that's different. Or like we talked about um, Prince, that's a little bit different. But I think yeah. if it's your own song, I mean, I'm not a songwriter, but just from a writing aspect, yeah, I think it's got to be, as you said, the words and. Yeah, the storytelling, especially if it's sort of acoustic and the fiddle, and because people like it. Yeah, because you know a few drinks and, and clapping along and listening, it. and the imagery, and it they want creates to an know atmosphere. What's happening? Yeah, which I think I think that is. I mean, I'm not obviously no expert, as I said, but I think that is possibly key to just. And where where do the where does the sort of inspiration come from? Where do you For sort of write a song about? So if, if you're writing a song now, if you're going to pen a song, if I was going where, to pen where do you where does that inspiration come from? Because obviously, if it's not poetry or it's not a sort of a short story, yeah. What is certain things, certain subjects that are more popular, or is um, it going to be sad? Is it because it's a bit like poetry? Is it, yeah, it's going to it be. Is, is it, it is a like love poetry. song? Is it a sad song? A happy song? It's got to have a lot of emotion in it. Yeah, I would imagine. yeah. Well, when Charlotte's writing songs, we kind of write slightly differently. So she writes. A lot about nature. She's inspired by nature, and she writes. Um, she writes about relationships and friendships. Mm. Um, and one song we went up to a recording studio recently, so we're just waiting for the finishing touches on that. It's called "Same Sky." It's a beautiful song, um, and that's that was written. I think she was inspired by taking a walk home from the pub one night and having all her friends around her. Um, I tend to be a bit more. Like, I wrote songs when my kids left home, you know, and I suddenly... It's a different aspect. Yeah, it's yeah, a different... It's yeah. more personal, personal, I think. Yes. And um, in some ways it is, and, it, you know, obviously Charlotte writes personal songs as well, but I think when my kids left, there was this suddenly empty house and it really kind of, you know, you have to redefine yourself. It's like... And that, again, that, that sort of um, connects with people. Yeah. That emotion of a mum dad you know or families where starting starting a job getting getting married going to university that that sort of yeah. empty so and do you follow <clears throat> is this certain sort of length you might I, mean, I know that you know most tracks the daft thing is doing the radio i always remember this when you and i think we've said it when you play a lot of songs from the 60s the two minutes two minutes ten then you get into the 70s and you've gone into the classic sort of three minutes, three minutes, 20, that sort of thing. And you've got the brilliant Donna Summer with, you know, I feel 12 minutes long. <laughs> but then, and then some rock bands with the concept. Yeah. Album. And then I always noticed in this sort of 80s, they went up, it's quite a strange decade because yeah. obviously when I was working on the radio station, it was sort of some songs were um, moved to four minutes or five minutes, so three and a half, four and a half. And... It just depends because some songs work, some songs are short and yeah. sweet, some songs are a lot longer. So what what do you think is the... I mind personally don't think it matters. And I think a lot of albums, if, if you get to that stage, have got the longer tracks. I mean, obviously, Led Zeppelin, you know, Sarah Trevor. So what, what do you sort of aim for with a song? Is, is there a format? A format to writing a short story, a poem, yeah, a chorus? A, there is what, a what, format. What, what, what are you sort of thinking? Are you just you're see thinking... How it, comes together with the words for yeah the song. and you're trying to raise the tension in the song a bit mm. you know and you're trying to do it along with the chords 
the choices of chords. So which you comes use. first, the chord? Would you, would you well, sort of like strum away? Yeah. Or is it, or is it people work in different ways? People do work in do different that. ways. So yes. um, actually, I did a podcast on this called Life Begins at 40. Oh, nicely plugged. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about um, singer-songwriters over the age of 40. Yes. And you can hear about their music and also interviews with them about their process. And a lot of singer-songwriters write lyrics and then put it to music. I find that incredibly difficult because I hear the melody first and then I have to try and put the right, words to the melody. Right, and whether you say that could be on the fiddle, the piano yeah. or, you know, guitar, just yeah. you know, saying so it. You you've choose... got that tune in yeah. your head, I would say. Yeah, so you choose your chords and I suppose if you're, I mean, you can do it in... Um, you can choose a minor key, which would normally be sad, but you could actually put happy lyrics in there and see what that does. I'm liking this because yeah. it's new to mm. me, this sort of singing, songwriting. Or you can do the reverse. You can use a really bright major key and put really sad lyrics in and see what that does. <coughs> so what, is there any examples that you could oh, give us? Gosh. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just thinking, I, I love that. Head. I love that concept where you i think you said minor minor keys but happy yeah. lyrics and, and and then major keys are there any sort of famous songs that There'll come be to loads. mind that no, i just can't think of i can't it, think of yeah of where that of where that would sort of work i think yeah. I, I understand sort of what you're saying where so when would you say that when people are and obviously if you, if you perform a poem you know, people are listening out, aren't yeah. they? And obviously, you know, it could be funny and they're looking at your face and then the tone of your voice and that sort of thing. So is it, does your mind, your brain work in a different way then? You're listening to the music, listening to the chords. So if you if you were playing, as you said, a minor chord, would, if I were listening to a minor chord, I am clueless to what I'm saying. I'm not clueless, I don't understand music yeah. as you do. But if, I, if you were playing now the guitar and it were a minor chord, would my sort of mind automatically think, this is going to be sad. Yes, that's that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. And then I suppose it's like um, movie soundtracks. Yeah, where you know Star Wars, the dun dun, the way you think. Hang on a minute, a baddie's coming. Oh, I up the hills. Yeah. It. That's it. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. yeah. And then, you, but then, obviously, Sometimes different parts can... of your brain are listening to the lyrics. Yeah. So it's it's like a double. Yeah. So it's it. So so it must be. So it's quite good then with my sort of mind's thinking, oh, this is going to be sad. This is a very sad song. Because I can tell, oh, how do you know? Because look at the chords. And you sub- and, but you can subvert it. And I think... And that's quite... That's, is that popular? Yeah, technique? it is. Yeah. I mean, I listen a or lot style, to you know, um, Rick Beato. Uh, he's mm. a producer, a big producer in America, and he has a fantastic show on YouTube where he breaks down all these songs and says why they're so good. Um, right, so obviously, you know, very famous song. It's yeah. So, so most very popular songs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so he had a big interview with Sting and actually got a smile out of him. And Because um, obviously Sting and the police, very, yeah. you know, iconic. Yeah. So in both the police and solo. Yeah. Uh, our solo career. And um, so he'll do interviews or he'll look at a song and he'll break it right down and, and tell you why it works and what works about it. And right. sometimes it really surprises you because you think, oh, I never realised that song was so good, you know. So, um, so is it human? Is it like a human sort of trait then to like um, certain things? I, I, was, I was saying, if, if let's say if you picked 10 of the, of the of, of 10 really popular songs 
and and your man is saying they like it because of this and they like it because of that. I, I was sort of saying that if we hear a certain drum beat or a bass line or guitar, and it, it you sort of your body reacts yeah in in different ways, and that's the clever thing about music where it, you know these or famous musicians will say, well that bass line or that that works or this key, and is that is that that's obviously a good format for a yeah successful. So I was sort of. I'm not saying suggesting we're like sheep, but do we respond like we respond to food? When you is it like when you put different sort of tastes sort of it, on, on your is. tongue? You know, like your sensory yeah. organs. Thinking you might look at some food and you might think, "Oh, that doesn't look so tasty," or this does and that, and you sort of you have a preconcept to what it's what yeah. it might be. And I, I, I suppose the thing is, my husband and I speak about this a lot. He's a really big. 80s fan. He loves 80s music. Yes, yeah, it's a good decade. I see. I'm not keen on it. Why? What? What? What music? What? What I'm, sort I'm, of songs is husband pref- liking? So husband likes uh, ABC. Yes. Um, so a little bit of like? little bit of sort of new romantic type mm, keyboards yeah. coming in there. Yeah. He likes a you lot know, of pop. You know, bit of the look yeah. of love. ABC. Yeah. Bit of Martin Fry. In yeah. There. Yeah. 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 Um, which he's got a very varied taste in music, so um, bit of madness, bit of ska music going on, or not really? Not so much. No, I think it was more Adam and the Ants. Yeah, he loved Adam yeah, and the Ants. Say. Bit of Adam, you know, yeah. Whereas I could take that or leave it. I'm just like, and my sister's the same. She's really into the eighties, you know, big style eighties fan. Yeah. I I feel like, oh no, I'd rather listen to nineties music. Um, so what? So what music? What would your? What would you so your I suppose when I was young, my favourite was well, I'm a big Radiohead fan. That's my favourite yes, band. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I also I loved. Um, oh my goodness! You loved them that much. Yeah, it's going. I'd really liked things like the Happy Mondays. <laughs> I'm only, and I'm only laughing because Ian Brown, but. How Stone Roses, I loved it. We've been, we've been talking about getting, we've been getting old. Talking about getting old. <laughs> we've been talking about various people and having a chuckle about about um, memory and knowing what you listen. And then we we start doing a podcast and we do a self. I do it all the time. Yeah. So prior prior to the podcast, we were perfect yeah. and we could remember everything. And, and we're doing it now. I can't. It, I love this nineties music, David. Yeah. And which well, one? Yeah, which one? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Oh. It, but I think, you think that's down to your sort of personal taste because just going back into the. Well, 80s, this is what we were yeah, trying to sorry, figure out. Yeah, go on. What is it that makes somebody love one song <coughs> and somebody else? You know, mm. they could take it or leave it. And why is it that some songs everybody loves? And what is it that makes that? Yes, it's a you very know, it's good, like it's a question. What makes what makes you identify with the song? Why is it so? It's, it's I don't really think you could possibly. And there's no answer, it, is there? No, and it's funny because, like you say, I can listen. I can be in the swinging sixties. You know, so I can have the sixties on a bit of. You I like know, a bit sixties. Um, shaking all over, Johnny King, the Pirates. Some you know Beatles, Stones, and you know you could have a little bit of Manfred Mann, all that sort of classic. And obviously Elvis is going to crop up. Seventies could be disco. It could be classic rock. You know, good old rock music. Um, a little bit of country and western in there. And then you go into the eighties, and the eighties for me, there's a lot of stuff I don't like in the eighties. I'm saying I'm a big fan of the eighties. Early eighties, as in sort of. 
well, I know it sounds daft, but 78, 79, brilliant in the 1980, 81. Mm-hmm. Fantastic range of music. And then a bit of a, I, I do appreciate it a little bit more now. A bit of stock aching and waterman, I think, mm. when I was younger, ruined a bit of the 80s. It became too poppy for me. Yeah. A lot more individuality, because you mentioned about specials and madness, and then Adam and the Ants. Yeah. You know, Yazoo. Yeah. Um, well, Taurus obviously became, yeah, you were mixed with Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox. So really, Ian Jory. He, um, so there's some really good 80s. I do think one of the most divided decades is the 80s because some people talk about the 80s, all Poppy and Stock Aiken and Waterman. But then I prefer the early 80s yeah. of... You know, and I think obviously Tube Army, Gary Newman sort of got in there. And yeah. It, you know, I don't know, just so I could be listening to the 80s. Someone could say, listen to the best of the 80s, David. And if it went right to 87, 80, I think, oh, for goodness sake, a bit of Sonia, yeah. Yeah. bit of Never Stop Loving You. I've been <laughs> awful now. But I don't mind it. Yeah. Don't, don't get but me it's wrong. Not, I'll, I'll, it's I know, not I'm your gonna, probably have a few drinks and dance to it and have yeah. a little. But it's not going to think, oh, really? I'll tell you what, I'll play a bit of. Sonia, I'll play a bit of Rick Astley, you know, a bit of Jive Bunny and all that malarkey. See, I it's, didn't like Wham, and I don't no, really like Duran Duran. No, I think, and yet all my friends were crazy mm, for them. I, and I know people say that George Michael had a great voice, but it just irritated mm, me. That's a terrible but thing I get to that, say. But, my, but I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. The, the Lord forgive us. Please don't strike me down. <laughs> my good lady, she hates the Beatles. She can detest Does Paul she? McCartney. Oh, right. She cannot abide Paul McCartney. I'm not that keen on Paul McCartney. No, but it's just strange how, yeah. how like you said previously, you know, it just you get excited about. Yeah. And and I know exactly what you're saying. There's some songs or artists you just love them. Yeah. They could be from the sixties, seventies. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what decade they're there. Yeah. It's just I don't know, and you know, that's it sounds. I do actually put a little bit of sometimes. Oh, I'll put some classic FM on. So you put some classic FM on, and um, I can't remember exactly everything that's that's playing. I'm not, you know, classic. I'm not. Cla- yeah. Don't know all of the sort of classics, but there's a particular one on it. It was the uh, Ride of Valkyries by Wagner. And I thought, bloody hell, that's good. Yeah. And then and then uh, William Tell no. uh, overture and about two or three that obviously been used in TV and film. Yeah. And I must have just captured that program at the right time because some good stuff. But yeah. I could also turn it on at one time and it could be not for me. It could be, yeah, yeah. dare I say, it could be too classical, yeah. too in-depth. Yeah. You know, in fact... Shostakovich. Oh, that sounded very... <laughs> well, I, well, I'm going to say Holtz the Planets, which is good. You know, I'd listen to that. Uh, you know, a bit of water music, Handel, stuff like yeah. that. I am from remembering these now, aren't I? Yeah. Um, well, I, I've forgotten what I'm about to say, but... <laughs> got of... I, I've got a bit of it. And that is on the... The podcast that I watch, um, I think it's the, the Rick Beato one, I think mm. it was him. They were looking at how many artists took um, little riffs from classical music. And obviously they were yes. in the public domain. So they would take the melody and then make it their own song. And I think, I can't remember the name of the band, did it. But the music wasn't in the public domain, so they had to pay a lot of money out. It's um, when things like that, you, you mm. obviously think, don't you know? It's like I said, drums, guitar, singing, yeah. and some people might be say, "Oh, um, all this classical music," but they are the forerunners, if yeah. you like. Still, I mean, obviously, you are musically minded, 
and and you understand music far better than me. But like you say, it could be something from Beethoven, yeah. Tchaikovsky, and you might listen to a classic piece of music. Yeah. Say, oh, this band have actually, as you were saying about the minor notes and major notes. I do work with a guy, and he's you know Peter. He, he's like yourself. He's understanding music, um, and and I can see it. You know, yeah. you, and it's it's. It, Probably open people's eyes, won't it? Saying, yeah, "Well, very much so. you know, they started off minor, major. We've got this chord or this sort of beat going on, and then all they've done is put an electric guitar in it, and you like it. So yeah. it's uh, it's interesting, an interesting sort of concept of how many classic or classical pieces of music are sort of in modern rock. Yeah. For example, well, one of them, I think one, I know, I can't remember the name of the bands that chose the songs but one of the songs that was made into a pop song was mm. um beethoven's moonlight sonata and actually when you listen to the song you're like oh there it is you can hear it you know it's crazy. i wouldn't have spotted it unless somebody had world, pointed it? it out i don't think but um yeah there was a few of them and i, I yeah i could get a wee bit hooked on youtube sometimes and but it's all it's interesting the rabbit hole. <laughs> we'll all you know to use the don't like to use the phrase sort of modern technology but when people do analyze it yeah and and now with all some music you can put it through you, you know you can break things down so this is it but obviously back in the day of classical music people just listen to classical music and then you stick your 45 on or your 33 and a third whatever or if you if you're ancient a 78 whatever you know <laughs> um and that's it wasn't available yeah you just listen you put in the the stylus on aren't you and it's just you spinning the disc and and also do you remember that feeling of getting your pocket money and going to Woolworth to buy a single yeah oh that was just like you know it was my first single that I bought can you remember what yours was mine was Blondie uh, Heart of Glass <laughs> I cannot can you know no, I'm ancient I can't remember that was in the 70s and I I've got a funny Heart relationship with um, vinyl because <clears throat> of that record because I got it home and I was so excited and it jumped and the jumping Do you have to put a penny on, on the, well I tried the penny trick but it just it kept skidding so oh, I took no. it back got another one and I couldn't get a record that was it just and it made me really uptight so then I moved over to everyone talks about vinyl and there's a look in their eye isn't there when they talk about vinyl but I liked tapes you know oh, I had a little tapes. Walkman with the Classic. you know with the orange Classic. remember those little orange with the, headphones with the, yeah, and, and a little pencil link yeah you know, in ca- if it, it got chewed in the car yeah, you could chewed. fix it but yeah, you couldn't you fix do. the vinyl think, so I easy c- I think CDs were a bit not so good well, yeah just, no I were never there was found. nothing singles were okay like yeah. you said, I mean most of the time or some of the time a penny cured it yeah the old pencil a pen for the That's tape it. these youngsters <laughs> don't know what we're talking about and then CDs for me bit rubbish really, yeah simply because i can remember on uh tomorrow's world whoever presented it they dropped it on the floor or put some gravy on it a piece and then wiped it and it still played yeah i had more trouble with cds than anything yes yeah, tapes were okay yeah vinyls okay in this cupboard here just behind me to the left there's a load of cds in there and proper headache time yeah as in they don't play, they scratch, they just... They skid round, Skid round. They? You, yeah. In the particular car now, the, the car I've got now doesn't have CDs, it's sort of all technology's changed, yeah. but the previous car, I think, I can't remember if it was six or five, six, seven, whatever CDs you put in, they used to stick. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to jack it, it'd That's be crazy. It. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a car somewhere out there, 
<laughs> with one with, of your CDs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many. Now, if anybody's sort of downloading this wherever you are in the world, and you've got a car, and every time you put it on, it plays the best of Saxon. <laughs> I think it's disc two. Can you just get in touch with me? And uh, Yeah, because it, it had all the best oh, songs. Oh, you've got on. to find I that. Triple, I had a triple. I love Saxon. You know, it, it, yeah, 747 Strings of the Night and and, and uh, Denim and Leather and all that. Princess of the Night. Brilliant stuff indeed. Used to love that one. A good album I had, Denim and Leather. And um, Wheels of Steel. And I found, many years later, when CDs came in, the best of Saxon. Triple CD. And... I'm sure it's disc two. I think I've got it in there. Disc one and three. Number two's missing. Why? It's in a car. You've got to find that. I've Do you got know, to find it. There was, this Listener reminds me. Listeners. You have to, yeah, you have to spread the word. Get Saxon. this, get this going viral. Because um, I once did a story in, when I was working in Yorkshire on for the newspapers and it was a couple who had the first ever car that they had sort of been lovers in Ooh. and it, obviously it, they'd sold it and you know this was years and years later yeah. i think yeah. he'd gone down to the to the scrapyard for something and saw the car never they and they bought, they, it. they bought it never and got it back and they had it in their garden and they were doing it up and you know what a great story their first that, that's that's the story bug. That that's is, a those good are story, the stories we yeah. love so now we need someone to find stuff. your CD. The car with your CD. Yes. DVD. CD. DVD. CD. Yeah. No, DVD <laughs> videos. Let's, not quickly, but I know you've got some of your work. Just tell us, because... What I've been up to. No. No. No, 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 no. Don't jump the gun, Andrea. Okay. You're getting all excited <laughs> now, aren't you? Just tell us about what's going on at the library. Oh, If you the are in the UK... Yeah. February, now you'll be listening to this in January 2024. Yeah. February 2024, only in the UK, in the West Yorkshire area, in Keithley Library to be precise, Keithley Library, West Yorkshire, UK. What's happening? Right. So I've been working with the library for a couple of years now, on and off. Um, mm. And last year I ran um, a series of workshops and then we did live performances and it was a group of people who'd never stood up and read Music. before no oh, oh. um stories oh but it's a storytelling storytelling brilliant and i absolutely loved it and the group were fantastic um mm. so they did a, a few different performances we had some film um in the background to match the performances um and what what really struck me while i was doing it was that there were a couple people there who um were reading from real life stories. One in particular used to be a nurse. And she started telling the story of how um, when she was on the ward, there were, you used to be able to smoke in a hospital. And she had, mm. to, her part of her duties was to clean up the ashtray. Now, you know. That's brilliant. You cannot compute that, can you? You just can't, you can't. I think, I think nowadays, you be, you're like. Yeah, you have to be a certain age. I, th- I think yeah. obviously the younger generation. Cannot compute. But that's a bit of gold, yeah. isn't it, from yeah. our history? Fairly recent history. In the old hospital. Yeah. And, Not um, feeling too good. Yeah. You've got a light, Governor. <laughs> got a light, Doc. And I think the, the surgeons were smoking as they were yeah. like, you know. So it kind of got me thinking. And and the group was absolutely brilliant. I think um, 
Oh, Cheryl uh, Metcalf. I think she's one of your I listeners. I do yeah. know Cheryl. Well, uh, actually, I've never met Cheryl yet. Well, very fine poet. She was reading her poetry, um, and it was it was just great fun. And I've really missed them since. So now, what I'm doing is back. something. I'm hoping they're going to come back. Um, we've opened it up, you know, to the area to 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 new people as well as them, and it's going to be something a bit different. I'm going to be teaching life writing. And it'll be five-minute stories, very short stories, but a slice of life that tells us something uh, about you. A slice you. of life, yeah. that's good. Tells and, us and something about are, you. These are at Keithley Library. Keithley Library. Do you know what days? They, are they start they? on, let's have a look. Oh, There'll be a Saturday. V- Saturdays. And Saturday from mornings. the 10th, the 17th and 24th of February. So there are three Saturdays. 10th, three Saturdays. 17th. And 24th. 24th of February at Keithley Library. And then there'll uh, be what, an open mic. Two hours, mic. three hours. What? What? Um, be a couple of hours, I think. Yeah. Couple of hours. Yeah. Now, dare I ask? Yeah. Is there a cost? Ooh, I don't know that. Actually. I, I'd only ask because the best thing to do is because obviously we, we you know, we all know it, it comes under the heading, I believe, of sort of Bradford Libraries. Yes. So the probably the best thing to do is because there has been Look other at- things. If you, if anybody is listening to this podcast, and obviously it is in the UK, you have to be. In the UK, yeah. so Oregon people, sorry, people live in Oregon. Well, is it Oregonian? I don't know. I don't know. Oregon, no, it's a good old United <laughs> States. Um, get yourself on the website. Yeah. If you go to Bradford Libraries, the good thing is a lot of things are going on because I don't, do you know Steve O'Connor? Yes, I, but no, I don't know him, I know of him. Yeah, good friend. Steve O'Connor runs regular uh, writing workshops and I think I know he runs one at Ilkley Library yeah. he runs one at Keithley Library and he runs one at a third library which has gone out of my brain is so it Bradford Library? it could be I Bradford think it I think it's Bradford um, City Library yeah. obviously in Centenary Square um, they've gone up on the website that's right so obviously you need to get in touch book it through there's a fee I, I can't remember yeah, the, I think it might be around I think they could be 10 week courses around about £65 yeah don't, that don't sounds sort right. of quote me on that one reason I'm asking it, it look on the web because yeah. obviously sometimes there's a charge. Yeah. Sometimes there's not. I don't know if there's a charge to be honest, but what we're hoping will grow out of it is a series of regular open mics which I'll host and we'll get oh, people coming yes. to share their slice of life. Yes. Um and so the open mic will be at Keithley Library. Yeah. And so yeah. it'll be just well, five minute stories. I'm not sure yet. We haven't figured all the fine details out of that, but but I'll let you know in the minute. The minute I know. Hey, I'm like you know me. This. I'll be sending you a press I'm release. Like it, I'm like <laughs> it. So 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 it's life stories. It's not it's not. Um, it's not made up stories. It's, it's life, life stories. stories. Sorry, it's nothing to do with music. It's no, not, no, but actually, you know, I'm not. As in songwriting, I think that's what people could do a song if they wanted to, or they mm. could do a poem. Or they could just read. Um, but as long as it's come from their life, you know, something that tells us something about them and somehow how they've been changed by a situation. I like it. Um, so I like it. Yeah. I'll tell you what we will do. Go on. I think you've got some pieces of paper there. I have. Not just any old pieces of paper <laughs> and not just any old scribblings. I think you've got some snippets. <laughs> very, some of your very work. Very short snippets. So from... you can read it and share a bit of more information on whichever way round you want to do it. Okay. The microphone is yours. All right. Well, I'll read this one first. So recently, um, I've been working on a novel for a long time. 
Um, I think you told me that first time I met you. Yeah, yeah, but that one's <laughs> probably a, a different time. novel. It <laughs> <laughs> is a long time ago. Um, I'm not brilliant at self-discipline, so I do go like, oh, I'll start the novel, and then I'll think, oh, I might do a podcast or I might do this. So that self-discipline is something I'm hoping to work on this year. But I've found a sort of mentor who's been working with me and is very encouraging, likes the novel and is helping me knock it into shape. Um, and she's called Charlotte Baker. And I found her through Alex Davis, who um, runs a lot of horror writing workshops online. Mm-hmm. Um very interesting stuff going on it's there. because you've got that dark side. I think yeah. we said this before. We first met the singing, That's the right. songwriting. We've spoken at length about the stolen balls and poetry. And all of a sudden, the dark side comes yeah, out. I ha- definitely have it in writing. Yes. And so recently I was looking through his list of workshops coming up. And I saw one on body horror. And I thought, oh. Body horror. Body horror. Who knew that was a... Enlighten, please. Yeah. So it's, I download, I downloaded, well, bought um, on my Kindle a little book of short stories and it's all body horror and it's just like very visceral stuff. Mm. And I thought, actually, I've got a piece of writing which I think would, you know, fit in with the body horror genre. So I'll read it for you. Um, I'm only going to read part of it because it's quite long, this story, but it'll give you a sense of give what us I a think bit the of body a, horror is. a little bit of a taste of the body horror. Okay. It was difficult to recall the first symptom, but she was fairly certain it started with the taste of earth. A cold, gritty taste, not entirely unfamiliar, natural almost, as if she was supposed to feed off the soil and had gone about her lifetime's diet in completely the wrong way, eating from above the surface instead of below. The flavour of it emerged gradually, like a fox creeping out of woodland, so that when she first experienced it on a cold November morning, the sensation was fleeting, yet undeniable, and she knew without question she'd experience it again. She'd never, to her knowledge, eaten soil before, and yet she was familiar with its taste, its texture. She knew how it would be to chew down and let it crumble in her mouth like cake, soft and moist. What remained would couple with her saliva to form a gritty juice peppered with a tang of crushed beetles, ants and the slimy goop of worms and faeces. She knew all this about the process of eating soil without knowing how she knew. She had touched it before, of course she had. She'd felt it dissolve between her fingers or crumple underfoot. She knew of its chilled, damp texture following a summer rain and she understood that after a hot spell its surface would be ashen, scorched by the sun's rays. But touch was very different to taste. She'd touched a thousand apples but no matter how hard she tried, she could not equate the feel of an apple with its taste. So how did she know how it would be to eat soil? She just knew. When the sensation first arose, she dismissed it as if an aftertaste to something she had unwittingly consumed. But when it crept into her mouth day after day, week after week, she knew she had to do something about it. That was the first time she visited her GP. She told him about the flavour of the earth 
how she began to dread the taste of it because she felt as if she was choking, like her mouth was a freshly dug grave waiting to be filled. The GP listened intently before diagnosing an iron deficiency and prescribing some pills, but she insisted it was more than that, refusing to leave his office until he heard it out. It was the dampness that bothered her most, she said. Even the word made her sad. The taste of dampness, she explained, was the taste of mist and loneliness. It left her desolate. Oh, that sounds promising. So that, that story, it goes on to become a lot more about sensations, taste and, and yes. feelings inside the body and it ends up with a quite a gruesome finish. But don't give it away. <laughs> so that's, so that's, that's body horror. Yeah, well, yeah. So how can you just remind us? How, how can you sum up body it, horror? I think it's about capturing that those feelings of discomfort mm. in the body. And is that an actual genre now? Yeah. Because I know there's many genres and sub-genres of horror. I think it um, is a sub-genre of horror, and I was quite surprised. I didn't know it existed. It's crazy, because you've got, like, your, your sort of classic horror. Yeah. And then you've got, your, like you say, your blood-curdling slasher horror, I think one of them was, and then sort of ghostly horror and supernatural horror. Is that many? Yeah, there does. And I think it's just, which is good, and it's just different Like, I, I don't even know what inspired me styles. to write this. I wrote it, uh, I'd say, about six months ago. Hmm. And it wasn't until I was speaking with a, a friend of mine who's also a writer, and I was saying, oh, I've, I've been looking into this body horror. I think there's a workshop coming up, but I don't really know what that is. And she said, well, you've written body horror. And I was like, have I? And then I was like, oh, yeah. You're just a talent. You're a talent. <laughs> and, and, you know, is there another piece there? there I is. Should, I we'll do. We'll do one more. Okay, if that's, okay. that's fine. Yeah. Um, and, and then we'll have to. Yeah. You'll have to. You'll have to invite you back in. <laughs> you'll have to. You'll have to uh, come back. Come back into the studio. I will, and I'll a, see you as well with another I, with March. another bottle of gin. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. I'll be advertising that for anyone. As I, as I said, you know, um, you know, people who are, who have downloaded know I run an open mic. This year, just sort of very quickly, yes, it's only this month of January. Every second Monday of the month in Silsden, the uh, open mic, and you're here. Yes. You are here. With I'll the be band. here with the, the Lost Embers. The Lost Embers are playing live, so I'll be plugging <laughs> that a little bit later. Okay, and this is another short story. It's a bit different, um, and again, it's only a, a part of it that I'll read. It's called I Stop. The knuckles on my husband's hands bulge out of his skin as he grips the steering wheel. His jaw is locked tight as he eyeballs the road ahead of us. I brace myself, checking my seatbelt is secure. It's freezing out there. I'm not going back, he says. His voice springs out of the darkness like a ghost. It's too late now anyway. He could be anywhere. Allow his words to work their way into my brain. In my right hand is my iPhone. I've been staring at it for the past few minutes, fingers hovering. He could be anywhere. I glance over my shoulder at the night, which stretches for miles behind us, black as raven's wings. It's 3.30am. There's not a single car on the road. No dazzle of approaching headlights. No blur of passing streetlights. 
Even the cat's eyes are closed. I shift slightly away from him, leaning against the passenger door and pull my coat tighter. Even with the heater blasting out, I can feel the cold seeping in at my feet. We have blankets in the back for emergencies. I mean, he continues, softening his grip a little. You read about this stuff all the time in the news. People falling into a trap, getting out to help some stranger in the middle of the road, then getting attacked. He didn't look like the kind of guy I want to cross on my own. I glance across at him. He lets one hand slip a little further down the wheel and rest against his thigh. He isn't on his own, but I don't correct him. Instead, I type in some numbers, then delete them. I do this three times. He turns to glare at me. Switch that thing off, it's distracting. Don't you realise I'm trying to drive here? This road's a sheet of ice. I slip the phone inside my pocket. My right hand still clasped around it. He's right about the ice. There's a glint on the surface, which makes it seem as if the tarmac is some sort of predator. And I can't help feel that at any given moment, it could turn against us, spinning us into oblivion. I glance at the speedometer, hoping he doesn't catch my gaze. Oh, that's another one left us on a knife's edge. <laughs> Andrea, brilliant stuff indeed. Sadly, we have run out. We're at the end. We've run out of a bit of, a bit of a time. I mean, you know, we've been waffling on now. We have. Talking for we about have. a good hour. And you'll have to come back for podcast part two. I will. I will it's good stuff. Andrea, it's always a pleasure. Any any final words? Do you want to give any final words? Any yeah. words of advice before we disappear into the night i don't know i just that people keep writing keep you know doing what you're doing keep writing keep singing yeah, yeah. keep going to the old mic believe yeah. in yourself that's yeah. what i say definitely get yourself to bradford libraries or get yourself on the website yeah definitely come and meet us you know we'll have a great um, time you're there on the 10th the 17th and the 24th yeah. well remembered of saturday <laughs> yes I've, I, well you only forget once I've, I've really i've been thinking about that you wrote it down i did yeah it's, on, it's just left of me on a little post-it note sounded good though didn't you? <laughs> andrea it's always a pleasure to interview you and catch up and have Brilliant. a good laugh wishing you the best in everything you do so this episode of the writer's bookshelf the brilliant andrea Hardacre. And if you like what you've been listening to, tell all your friends, get yourself on the podcast and download it. And if you want to find out a little bit more about me, get yourself on the website, daviddriverauthor.com. And I will be speaking to you on the next episode. Goodbye for now. Andrea, you will now say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> and once again, goodbye, Oregon. Thanks for listening. Adios, amigos. <laughs>